Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you're with us today. My name is Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And did you know that math could bring you to faith in Christ? (laughs) We talked to John Kim today, and I'm very excited to talk to John for a number of reasons. John, well, actually, let's let John introduce himself. Welcome to the podcast, John. Oh, thanks for having me, Joel and Lynn. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I was raised in the Mormon church. I had some very uh, challenging struggles with the doctrine. It all stopped making sense. And then uh, something eventually uh, broke my shelf, as they say, and... uh, I left the church, uh, was an atheist for uh, several years, and was absolutely miserable. (laughs) Oh, okay. And you know, for me, I'm going to want to camp there at some point. Of course. Because that is certainly not an unusual part of the journey for many folks. Um, So, but you're a young man. Yeah, I'm 25, which feels old to me, but I know feels young to you two. (laughs) (laughs) The 20s, it's decade of dreams. It's a great place to be. Enjoy it uh, while you're there. So, John, what I'd like you to do is, I mean, that was a great overview. There's a lot of places like Lynn where I'd like to go, but let's go back to the beginning. Um, You said you were raised in an LDS family. Um, How many generations back? What was it like growing up LDS for you? Yeah, um, so uh, on my mother's side, uh, many, many generations back, uh, her, uh, don't, I, I can't even count the greats, but uh, one of her ancestors was uh, one of the um, original converts in England who came overseas to join the uh, pioneers. Wow. Um, on my father's side, uh, he is actually a first generation convert and immigrant. Uh, he's South Korean. He uh, grew up on a small island off the southern coast of the country called Gajodo. Um, oh. And uh, his father, my grandfather, was like the island shaman. And uh, that that's a whole story in itself. But uh, my wow. father yeah. <laughs> left uh, his uh, shamanistic faith to uh, join the Mormon church. Oh, my goodness. We just talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago whose great grandfather was the king of Hawaii who got oh, converted man. to Mormonism. Yes. So wow. And a lot of South Sea Island uh Mormons, yeah? Yeah. Lots. So I bet your grandfather getting converted brought a lot of other people to the Mormon faith? Uh my father, yeah. Uh like uh, several Korean families wow. have actually moved to Utah uh, because of him. So, um, okay. So it was yeah. your father that converted to the Mormon faith. Yes, but he grew up within the same shamanistic background as your grandfather. Right. Okay. 
Um, and so there was some tension there. Uh, my my uh, father faced uh, the real threat of uh, being disowned, which in East Asian countries is an enormous deal um, mm. because they put such a high value on family and those kinds of uh, family structures. Um, so my father would be disowned for uh, being baptized in the Mormon faith. But when my grandfather consulted the island fortune teller, uh, the fortune teller said, nah, just just let him go. Let him okay. get baptized. <laughs> so how did your mother and your father meet then? Um, so they met on their LDS missions in Seoul, the capital of South Korea. So my mom was just, you know, a country girl from Logan, Utah. Um, and uh, they met there. And wow. Um, I think my father said something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, Sister Callie, uh, it has been revealed to me that you're going to be my wife. Oh, no. <laughs> Not the first time that sort of thing has been said. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, eventually got married. My father immigrated to the United States and uh, they had me, the first of... Uh, a family of five kids uh in 1995 okay so you're the oldest of five kids yeah all right and you grew up in utah then yes i grew up in centerville utah which is just south of where lagoon is and north of salt lake city yes my son-in-law grew up near there <laughs> so yeah, it you go, go ahead. Go. I was going to say, so what, um, so what, what was it like growing up? What are some of the, the positive things that you remember growing up? Cause you're not only in an LDS family, you're in a totally LDS community then. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a uh, very much like at least 90% uh, Mormon neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, nowadays it, it's not even the town I remember. I'm like, there's three coffee shops here. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, you played at friends' houses if they were Mormon and you didn't if they weren't. Um, okay. and, uh, not, not like, you know, super culty, just like, you know, that's who, that's the, that's the family each set of parents trusted, you know, um, right. that was right. Yeah. That, that was their way of generally uh, first level kind of determining, okay, this family's safe uh, to send my kids over. Um, and um, yeah, just a very uh, tight-knit community. Um, but, uh, and the real positives was, you know, it was very musical. Um, you know, like they were always singing in church and singing in primary and uh, you know, doing ward choir and, you know, special musical numbers. Um, that that was nice. I do miss a bit of that. Just everyone oh. being able to get together and sing harmony. So I <laughs> saw where you were a music major at the University of Utah one yes. time. What area of music? Yeah, so I studied uh, jazz composition at the U. Oh, um, oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, I immediately went into warehouse labor after that because there's no work in music, so. <laughs> you won't believe this then. 
the guy I dated both in high school and college is was the number one jazz drummer in the world, Jeff Hamilton, for many No years. way. <laughs> Here we go. Wait, you know that name? Yeah, I saw him perform in Salt Lake. Oh, oh he's, yeah. he's fantastic. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have an end to the jazz world, right? <laughs> oh, I don't want that in. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so you went to the University of Utah, and when did this Mormon thing start breaking down for you? Yeah, so the tricky thing is that it started breaking down from the beginning. Um, so uh, Mormonism is kind of a soft prosperity gospel. Uh, like, they, they reject the fall of man and uh, hold to this idea that, you know, if you do well, if you do good by God, uh, then you will be blessed. Um, now, the underside of that idea is that if you are not doing well, you're not on God's good side, so you must be doing something wrong. So um, when adversity comes or when things happen negatively, that's on you to fix whatever's between you and God. Yes. And, and that's literally because it's scriptural. It's in the Book of Mormon, and it says, if you live the commandments, you'll be blessed both temporally and spiritually, right? Right. So if you're not blessed both temporally and spiritually, you must have done something wrong. Right. And so this breakdown started from the beginning because uh, at an early age, I was diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. Uh, they call it PDD-NOS, which is the one they give you when they can't figure out what's wrong. Uh but, um, uh, uh, I, I only laugh because I only laugh because um, my wife is on the spectrum, and so we have several of our kids that are on the spectrum. And yeah, it's really interesting to watch the world try to handle that—the neurotypical world. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, and you know, of course, there's always challenges, but uh, those got augmented uh, in a Mormon community um, because socially I was several years behind uh, the rest of the kids. I didn't quite understand. I couldn't quite understand how they thought, um, you know, didn't really know how to interact and get what I wanted out of, uh, you know, like it, it's tough to even say I had like, um, really stalwart friendships growing up. I just didn't know how to keep them. Um, right, because you don't, pro I mean, language is all, it's all concrete. And so turns of phrases, imagery, plays on words, that sort of thing does not come intuitively. You have to learn that. Yes. And, and yet, and yet it's a positive thing because you end up being a concrete thinker, right, Joel? So oh, yes. Yeah. Like very black and white, very logical thinker. Would you describe yourself like that, John? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've gotten much better at gray now, but, um, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, very much growing up, uh, like it, it was black and white. It was very strict categories. It's like a, I guess, like probably one of the mo most uh, illustrative examples of this is a, like around like a fourth or fifth grade, um, I would uh, hang around the uh, trash can in the school cafeteria, and uh, when people would uh, come to the trash can with their uneaten French fries, I would take them, and. Uh, 
you know, when my mom found out, she was horrified. She's like, no, you're making yourself look like a monster. Like, and I'm like, well, you told me that we shouldn't waste, like, what we have. And they're wasting their French fries. I'm, I'm helping. I'm doing a good thing. Like, because I didn't get, I didn't get social custom. I didn't get how people saw me when I did certain actions. Yes. Um, and so when you're a part of a tight knit Mormon community and there's so much stock in these uh, neighborhood activities, you know, like primary and uh, the play dates that spring out of that and uh, young men's and young women's, that's what they called it uh, back when I was Mormon. Oh, I, I was raised in the church from the period of like, yeah, 95 to about 2015. Uh and I got to okay. preface that because uh, they're rebranding everything and like yeah. I don't know what to call stuff anymore. So it's just I just got to put that disclaimer out there. Right. And um, so that I mean, that's really difficult, especially uh, upper elementary going into junior high, where if you're not picking up on these social nuances, if you're not picking up on the social conventions, which you don't automatically, man, you're just set up for combination of mocking or ostracism ostrac i can't say the word ostracization <laughs> we said it at the um, same time we got it good and yet think of it this way um someone who sees things black and white and thinks so concretely what a miracle that is right the outside world's going wait how does that person believe in god right well yeah, 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 for sure. Like, uh, the Lord can and uh, 5 million percent has used this in uh, my life to bring me to him and to demonstrate his glory. Um, but that was not apparent uh, growing up. I It really started to hit me around fifth grade that I started recognizing that people weren't treating me the same as they treated other people. Um like there was something I wasn't getting and I finally saw that reality and I got really depressed and angsty about it. And I, you know, it, it started like this big spiral of, well, why am I like this? Why am I, why can't I fix this no matter how hard I'm trying? Um, you know, the, the answers I was getting at church was like, oh, you know, just pray more, study your Book of Mormon more um do more church stuff like and like the lord will bless you and you know hopefully get you out of this pit uh but that wasn't evident to me that that wasn't happening so were so were there not people in your circle then that understood like being on the spectrum was that still so foreign at that point that it's just like well you're so close to normal if you just try a little harder you could make it right um yeah, I th the person who probably understood it best was my mom, uh, just because she spent a good amount of time trying to research it so that she could raise me without losing her cool. Because <laughs> I was a tough <laughs> kid. I was a yeah. tough kid. Uh, like there was a stretch of like six years where I ate nothing but uh, potato bread with mustard and mayonnaise on it and spaghettios, like nothing else. Like, <laughs> Rough That's time, called but... a jag, by the way, an eating jag. Um, so 
now that you've come to Christ, I hope you see that uniqueness as something that God gifted you with for his own purposes to give you a journey that is yours and his alone in a personal relationship. Mormonism only kind of sees the corporate thing going on. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the, the Lord gave me... I guess I, I guess I guess the correct term is a gift um since yeah. you know he bestows it it's a gift uh the Lord gave me uh the gift of autism to show me my insufficiency my incompleteness um in uh certain regards and to just really uh drill into me my need for a savior, my need for, um, a restored, uh, being, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, of course there's upsides to it. I can, uh, get concepts quickly. Uh, I think my calculus teacher in high school said, John Kim is the only student I've ever taught who picked up calculus as I taught it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, like so there's advantages there but um the disadvantages the lord used for good um and to glorify himself and it blows me away i i cannot i i, I almost can't understand it so can you give us a specific example a specific example of 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 how he used um, what you're saying are maybe shortcomings. Other people would see as shortcomings. Oh, right, right. Yet he, he used that with you personally to teach you certain things. Yeah, so uh, one of those uh, examples was um, uh, shortly after I graduated high school, because... Um, uh, 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 so, uh, so Mormon congregations, uh, wards, um, are determined on a geographical basis. It's not yes. actually who wants to worship together. It's the church organization saying, no, you will worship together. Uh, we have designated it. Um, In this geographical area, you will go to this church with this bishop. Right. Um, even if the church house is super far away and there's five other church houses closer to your neighborhood, that's the one they had room for you in. So, um, uh, right around the time I graduated high school, um, they redrew, uh, my ward boundaries. So suddenly, uh, the, all the houses to the north of the neighborhood, which I had never interacted with before because they were never in the ward. Uh, right. suddenly all those people, we're now the neighborhood. And, like, I was ecstatic. I'm like, oh, man, this is a fresh start. Because I, I had burned a lot of bridges and uh, established a lot of notions in uh, my current ward growing up. Because, um, again, I was a tough kid. Uh, and so now that I was 18, I'm like, oh, wow, it's a fresh start. And, uh, like, all these new people I was meeting, and they really liked me because now I was slightly charming instead of not charming at all. Uh, and, um, <laughs> like, I, I was on top of the world. I'm like, oh, man, this is the church experience I always wished I had. 
Um, and I'm not uh, shackled by my um, autist my my autistic thinking anymore. Um, and right after that happened, my parents decided to move. Oh man! Yeah. Uh oh. Um. So. Uh, yeah, we we just moved to the next town over because our house was very much too small for um, uh, five children. Uh, becoming teenagers, you know, having parties like it, not enough room. So I get it. Um, but uh, I was I felt so betrayed by that. I'm like, no, this was my shot. So even after we moved, I was. I chose to still attend uh, that ward in Centerville. Um, and mm. at first, uh, the people there were like, oh, it's so adorable. He misses us so much. Like, ah, oh, like, um, the second week I showed up, they all, they all started giving me, like, worried looks. And they're like, y you know, you're, you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, well, wow. what? Why not? Like, this is, this is my church. Like... Mm. It's like no, no. You're you're supposed to go to the one that the LDS Church has assigned to you. Like, you know, and oh man, that put like a giant rock in the pit of my stomach. And I, uh, what they I became what they would call inactive. I stopped attending church because uh, something something was not right. It's like, well, how am I how am I ever supposed to, you know, be a good Mormon in you know, a room full of strangers. It's like, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, oh yeah, very much because that, but... the emphasis within Latter-day Saint culture is community, right? It's, we all belong together. We're all part of this, this unique faith. And now all of a sudden community isn't being defined by shared faith. It's being defined by shared geographic boundaries, regardless of how you feel about people that you were just a part of yes that's it so because i was measuring in part i was measuring my good mormon boyness uh by my ability to integrate with the community there um mm -hmm. it was like i had finally had the success i was working my butt off my for my whole life mm -hmm. and it was ripped out from under me um and uh yeah, I, I had no interest in reassociating with the new ward in Farmington. And um, this was, how old were you at this point then? 18. Okay, um, so you're just so, finishing up high school? So uh, in being um, disconnected from the Mormon people for a time, did you learn anything? Did you start thinking about things? Yeah, actually, because uh, I, I, I started... Um, assessing the LDS church and its doctrines and history a little more independently. Um, cause now I wasn't getting fed it, uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, right. but I still very much thought of myself as Mormon. Um, but there was also another big stressor and that was the mission. Um, oh, cause, uh, coming. yeah, I, I turned 17 or 18 the year that, uh, the prophet at the time, uh, Thomas Monson, changed the missionary age from 19 to 18. Mm -hmm. um, so here I was my senior year, like all the boys around me are uh, getting their mission calls and preparing to go. And I, I was just feeling so unsure about the whole thing. Like I was, I was so anxious. Like 
I have trouble remembering how anxious I was. It it, it was almost traumatic, because, uh, um, like I didn't know, I I didn't feel like I knew enough, and I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to spread LDS doctrine around the world. Um, it wasn't. There were too many parts that, and I guess this is going back to the autism thinking, but like there were too many parts that I couldn't make sense of and didn't want to share until they made sense. And I just assumed it would make sense. That's what everyone would told me. It's like, once you get to the temple, once you get to the temple, like everything yeah. is made clear. Um, yeah. And that is where we're probably gonna have to wrap up for this episode, because I'm looking at the fact that we're really close to time. All right, but, let's I mean, wrap this up. is actually, this is, a, this is a good, kind of a good drop off point, good stop, because when we come back, I wanna hear well, first I want to hear how were you prepared like for your mission within your family context? What was the expectation there? And then how did the whole mission thing play out? Because I can definitely see where for someone um, on the autism spectrum, a mission would be really, really scary. Yeah. Um, so that's where I want you to kind of pick up next time we come back, John. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, Tune in next week for hair-raising drama. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of missionaries have to feel that way, and yet you are being very honest about that point in time. I'm sure others feel like they can't be, right? They just have to walk it out and right. do their thing. And so, Joel and John, until next time, grace and peace. So long. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.